Chapter Seven of *The Hawk of Egypt* by Joan Conquest, read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Chapter Seven, and she painted her face and tired her head and looked out at a window. Second Kings. The house of the Scarlet Enchantress, with its balconies, turrets, and outer and inner courts, stood quite by itself at one corner of the square in a big neglected garden. It had been built by means of untold gold and the destruction of scores of miserable, picturesque hovels, which, poor as they might be, had, however, meant home to many of the needy in the Arabian quarters of Cairo. It would be useless to look for that building covered in white plaster now. It was, later, looted and burned to the ground. A beautiful wanton of fourteen summers, ambitious, relentless, with the eyes of an innocent child, the morals of a jackal, and a fair supply of brain-cunning rather than intellect, Zulana sat this night of stars in a corner of her balcony overlooking the square, smoking endless cigarettes. Courtesan of the highest rank, she had plied her ruthless trade for three successful years, accumulating incredible wealth in jewels and hard cash. Her ambition knew no bounds, her greed no limit, her jealousy of other women had become a byword in the North. Physically she was perfect, otherwise she had not one saving grace, and her enemies were legion. She had driven hard bargains, demanding the very rings off men's fingers in exchange for kisses. Shutting the door with callous finality in the face of those she had beggared, she had disowned her mother, who, stricken with ophthalmalia, begged in the streets. She had no mercy for man, woman, or beast, yet all had gone well until love had come to her. Love comes to harlots and to queens, as well as to us ordinary women, and they suffer every whit as much as we do, perhaps more keenly on account of the hopeless positions they fill. It had come to Zulana, uncontrollably, that night when, unveiled, garbed in silks and satins and hung with jewels, she had brazenly graced the stage-box at a gala performance. She looked down, and Ben Kellum, in the end-seat of the first row of stalls, looked up and looked and looked, seeing nothing, being blinded with a love of Damaris. Zulana drove back in her Rolls-Royce to the edge of the Arabian quarter, where, owing to the narrowness of the lanes, called by courtesy streets, she alighted to finish what remained of the journey in a litter swung from the shoulders of four Nubian slaves, and arrived at the great house summoned her special bodyguard, Quatim the Ethiopian, and for acquiring information down to the smallest detail about some special individual there is, surely, no detective agency on earth to compare to one ordinary native servant. He loves intrigue. So that, twenty-four hours later, Zulana laughed shrilly when Quatim the Ethiopian repeated all he had learned of the white man and the white maid he presumably loved. "'Love!' she scoffed. "'He has not met me!' But in the weeks that followed no plot had succeeded, no device or subtle invitation had lured the bird to the list, so that she beat sharply upon a silver gong this night of the stars, upon which the Ethiopian came running hastily to cast himself upon the ground at the jewelled henned feet. "'Get up!' she said, kicking him upon the side of the head, whereupon he rose, chalking up one more mark on his own particular slate of life, upon one side of which was written desire and the other revenge." He stood six foot four in his loin-cloth, as black and glistening as a polished ebony statue. The enormous hands at the end of great, overlong arms almost touched his knees. The chest and shoulders and abdomen were hard as iron, rippling with muscle under the oiled skin. 
The feet were huge and pink of soul, and the animality of the man was intensified by a certain gleam of intelligence somewhere in the impassive negroid face. The woman took no notice of the magnificent physique. It neither repulsed nor attracted her. He was a slave. "'Run, and give orders that no one is admitted. Hasten. Mistress, a great noble waits at— Desirest thou thy tongue split, thou black dog, that thou answerest Zulana? Haste thee, and return. And far into the night they talked, those two, planning death or destruction, anything as long as it attained the desire of the woman who, looking into the future, took no notice of the mountain of disaster beside her in the shape of the Ethiopian, who desired and hated her with all the bestial passion of his race. Then, just as far down in the east the sky lightened, she sat suddenly upright and clapped her jewelled hands. Knowest thou the eunuch who guards the harem empty of women in the palace of, ah, the barbarity of the name, U Karadin Ali? He who perchance would give one half, nay, all of his great wealth in return for the coal blackness of thy odorous skin. There is to be held a big entertainment within the walls of the white man's hotel, and soon— an entertainment where the whites dance foolishly in foolish raiment, disguised as that which they are not, and with covered faces. What easier than for me to obtain entry as one of them under my veils, and have speech with the man I love? And if he is, as thou sayest, besotted with the love of this white girl, then I will use the man of barbarous name as a tool to bring about that which I desire. Knowest thou the eunuch? Mistress, he is my twin brother. Twin of thee! Behold, did not thy mother die of fright at sight of such monstrosities? Nay, mistress, there are six sons younger than thy slave, each one of which could break thee in one hand. Zulana sprang to her feet, and seizing a short whip from a table, smote the man again and again until his face ran blood. Thou vile brute, darest thou to speak? Behold, this is but a foretaste of what will befall thy black carcass before the hour is spent. Call thy slaves, mistress, split my tongue, whip the soles from off my feet, the flesh from my body, even to the bones, and thou shalt never meet my twin brother, who even now prepareth the great palace for the coming of the, he spat, bird of different coloured plumage. And Zulana, understanding that she must not overstep the limit if she desired to attain her end, flung the whip full into the stolid, indifferent face, and fled, raving obscenities, into the house. End of chapter 7 Read by Sibella Denton. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.